my wife got it for me because she knew I'd think it was funny. Um, but she was at a thrift store and got me a shirt that I think was either 99 cents or maybe $1.99. But it simply said, um, there are two kinds of people in the world, cheerleaders and those who wish they were. And so uh, I wore this shirt just because I thought it was just amusing and because clearly there are at least three kinds of people in the world because I was obviously not a cheerleader and uh, I looked deep in my soul and I never had that aspiration. And so there are actually three kinds of people in the world when it comes to uh, cheerleaders. Well, today we're going to talk about discipleship and there's three kinds of people in this room when it comes to discipleship. And we'll be introduced to these in our, in our story this morning. There are disciples, uh, Jesus followers. I assume there's some Jesus followers uh, in this room. There are, secondly, potential disciples, those who might become followers of Jesus. And who else is in this room is uh, Jesus himself. <laughs> there are three kinds of people in this room. And what's important is that we know which one of those uh, we are. And this helps us move forward and helps us to understand the whole concept of discipleship. Because discipleship, the making of followers of Jesus, is the primary task of the church. It's what we are commissioned uh, to do. Very familiar with Matthew 28, uh, the end of the book of, of Matthew's gospel, where Jesus says, go therefore and make what? Disciples of all nations, you know, of all ethne, of all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You might have heard before that there's one uh, command in there, one imperative, and then several participles. And the one command is simply make disciples. It's the core central task of followers of Jesus is to make more followers of Jesus. So the problem is, is we get off track in all kinds of different ways. We get distracted, we get, um, we get our sights in the wrong direction, we focus on the wrong things, or we don't really understand the process of discipleship. There's a lot of ways that we can get off mission. And I think one of the main problems is that we are not clear about what our part is in discipleship. And so this morning, our, our big idea, our main theme is simply to understand your part in following Jesus. You understand your part. I understand my part. We understand everybody's part. Because maybe you've thought that discipleship is somebody else's responsibility. Maybe something that's your task, you thought that was what the pastor was supposed to do. Or maybe you thought, well, that's what some maybe mature Christian is supposed to do. Maybe that's somebody with a particular spiritual gift. They're supposed to do that thing. Maybe it's actually just a, a program of the church that accomplishes this thing called discipleship. And so uh, you are not doing what God has called you to do. Or perhaps the other way around is you are stressed out trying to do part of the discipleship that's not even your job. Maybe you're trying to do Jesus' part of discipleship. Well, that could be really frustrating to do something that Jesus is supposed to be doing. And so this little vignette this morning in Mark captures the essence of discipleship and what each person's part is. So hopefully by the end it'll be clear what each of our parts are. This is the end of, 
of Act 2, we're calling it, in, in our study of the book of Mark. Remember, Act 1 was all around Galilee, the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Act 2 happens on the road to Jerusalem. Chapters, uh, basically, 8, 9, and 10. Uh, Jesus takes his followers along with him on the journey of discipleship as he has more things to teach them before the final uh, act, which will start next week. The, the, the passion, the week in Jerusalem, when everything kind of goes down, so to speak. And so we come to the close of Act 2. This is our last stop before we get to Jerusalem. There's one final recruit to pick up uh, before they enter into the city. This little simple encounter that Mark records is a perfect picture of all that Jesus had just been teaching his followers about discipleship. This, this hopefully kind of uh, caps it all up for us in a nice little package, like, oh, okay, this is what we are supposed to be about. So this morning, first, we'll meet the characters, and then second, we'll identify these three different roles. What does Jesus do? <laughs> what do disciples do? And what do potential disciples do in the process of discipleship? So we'll be uh, finishing up Mark 10 today, uh, starting in verses 46 to 52. If you don't have a Bible or some device with a Bible, uh, this is on page 847 in the, in the Bibles that are in the pews in front of you. A couple of weeks ago, um, well, just as an aside, I thought that James Morrissey uh, had such a powerful message last week. I hope that you were here for that. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, we were finishing up uh, the section uh, before this in Mark. In verse 45, we saw Jesus' core mission. He says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So with that statement of his, of his purpose, he's headed into Jerusalem. One more stop, and that's where we pick up the story today in verse uh, 46. 46 starts out, and they came into Jericho. You might remember Jericho from the conquest of the land back earlier in the Bible. Well, Jericho is just about a day's journey from, uh, from Jerusalem. It's about the distance from our church to Morro Bay High School. So it's kind of right on the doorstep. You could, you could walk there in a day if you had good shoes. And so uh, it's basically the last, you know, overnight before they enter into uh, Jerusalem, where everything happens, where the passion and all that you're aware of there. So, sorry, 46. And they came to Jer- Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. So here we're immediately introduced to the characters. There, there's Jesus. He's on this mission to save the world. There's the disciples, his close followers surrounding him. Then there's this great crowd of pilgrims going to Jerusalem for the Passover. There's crowds of, um, of people traveling from all over the greater Palestine area coming to Jerusalem for the Passover once a year. And some of that crowd was with Jesus, was part of his entourage, you know, following him along. So there's Jesus, his disciples, close followers, the great crowd. And then beside the road is blind Bart. We know a couple things about him. First, his name is Bartimaeus, who is the son of Timaeus. And can you guess what Bartimaeus means? It means the son of Timaeus. So 
You know, you introduce, this is my friend Johnson. He is the son of John. You know, it's kind of that, uh, that kind of thing. But I think by, by naming him, a lot of these people Jesus heals, it just calls them, you know, leper, woman, child. Here it gives a name and his family name. And uh, a lot of people think this is likely because he was somebody that was known in the early church. Maybe this guy became a significant figure in the early church. The people, oh, yeah, but Bartimaeus, you know, the son of Timaeus. This story is about him. He used to be, in this verse, a blind beggar. He was disabled, and he was dependent. He was a beggar. He was dependent on the generosity of others. He's actually the perfect example of what Jesus had just been talking about when he, when he said, uh, let the little children uh, come unto me. Don't hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. Blind Bartimaeus is the perfect example of somebody who has no status, has no authority, has no power, has no ability to take care of himself. He's completely dependent like a child, and he's on the side of the road. This would have been the perfect place. You know, Jericho's a big merchant city, and, uh, and all these pilgrims on a religious um, journey, that would be the prime place to, you know, ask for help. And uh, this was his lot. Two weeks ago, we saw this intensity. Um, you were talking about throwing your hat in the ring. You know, this is going to happen. They're heading to Jerusalem. The intensity picks up even more because now they're in the midst of all these pilgrims coming for Passover. Passover is a religious holiday, and it's also a political holiday. It's the celebration of the, of the exodus from Egypt. Uh, Israel, in a time past, had been um, oppressed by a people in Egypt, and uh, this marked their national uh, release and freedom from oppression. Now, many, many centuries later, they are again oppressed by, this time, Rome, and they go and they celebrate when God one day back then freed his people Israel. And so it would be this huge kind of buzzing with excitement sort of nationalistic thing. Uh, I was picturing if, what if uh, the United States was, was taken over by another country? I thought of Canada, but I'm not sure really what happens in Canada. But say, just say it happened and Canadian tanks are, you know, patrolling down the streets. And it's 4th of July, and we gather at the churches to celebrate 4th of July. And imagine the, you know, what if this was the day that, you know, we threw off the oppression of Canada or whatever. I'm just because just they're next door, I'm using them as an example. I have nothing against our brothers and sisters up north. So this, this, day, this day, this season, this march all together is, uh, is really nationalistically charged. I imagine the Roman garrisons are there trying to keep the peace in the middle of all this as all these pilgrims are on their way. So right in the middle of this scene, blind Bart starts shouting. Verse 47, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, you would think that might stir things up. Uh, France, he, he comments on that, on on. Blind Bartimaeus' comment, son of David. He says it's functionally equivalent to Christ or Messiah, the anointed one. 
But voicing of David's name increases the loading of royal and nationalistic ideology which it carries. Okay, translation means that his shouting was really politically charged. He was saying something that would, would stir the people and, uh, and, and make the Roman uh, peacekeepers <laughs> uh, nervous. <laughs> he, was, he was a troublemaker. So not only was Blindbart statusless and insignificant, but he was also a big nuisance and a big threat. Because all of a sudden, you know, they're not just going to sneak into Jerusalem. <laughs> Blind Bartimaeus is sh- shouting out, calling Jesus the son of David. You know, this big messianic um, uh, title. And so what did the people do? What, what you would expect. Verse 48, many, they rebuked him. They told him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. As, as Mark tells the story, um, it has the effect of re-emphasizing what uh, blind Bartimaeus is saying. So blind Bartimaeus says, uh, son of David. And the people say, stop saying that. It's like, stop saying what? Son of David. And then he says, son of David, son of David, son of David. So in the narrative, we get, um, we, we can't miss the fact that this is what this man is saying. So here, there's how our scene starts. The rest of it, as it unfolds, it shows us how discipleship works and what each person's role is in discipleship. And we start out with the role of Jesus. If you're following along in the notes, first thing we just really need to understand about how all this works is that Jesus is the one who is the merciful master. Everyone was trying to, you know, squelch this guy or ignore him or push him aside. And verse 49 says, but Jesus stopped. And he said, call him. And I thought, Jesus, the merciful master, he notices all kinds of people. All this crowd going on, all these things going on, all these pilgrims, they're marching, they're traveling, people are being noisy, there's probably animals, whatever, and uh, this guy's calling out, and Jesus, he stops and he notices this guy that everybody else probably tries to avoid eye contact with. The panhandler that you just kind of want to pretend is not there and go about your business, Jesus puts on the brakes and stops the whole crew and calls him. He doesn't just uh, notice, but Jesus invites all kinds of people. He tells his followers, uh, go, go call him. This guy, he's, he's a nobody. <laughs> what will he contribute to our cause? Um, it's like, yeah, yeah, call, call him. And what happened? You heard the rest of the story a few minutes ago. He threw off his cloak. He sprang up. He came to Jesus. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight, and he followed him on the way. Jesus restores all kinds of people. Uh, It's an interesting thing. He uh, He says to the man, Jesus says, Go your way, your faith has made you well. Made you well, the same word 
that's uh, elsewhere translated has, uh, has saved you. It's the same phrase that's used earlier in this chapter talking about uh, the rich young ruler when they say, who, who can be saved? Who can inherit eternal life? Who can enter the kingdom? Who can be saved is the same uh, word here. It just means delivered, rescued, saved, healed, restored. That, that's why if you have uh, the NIV, I think it has, your faith has healed you. Young's literal translation says, your faith has saved you. The King James Version, which I really like here, says your faith has made you whole. <laughs> this, this restoration of the, the whole person that Jesus was concerned with. So what's the significance here? Jesus notices and invites and restores all kinds of people because he's the merciful master. You're not the master. (laughs) It's not your place to decide, uh, well, that person's beyond hope or that person doesn't deserve Jesus. That's, that's not your place. Jesus is the merciful master calling whoever he wants, whatever kinds of people he wants. The point of the rich young ruler story that we read uh, just a few weeks ago is that no one can be saved. It's impossible. We cannot be saved except with God. All things are possible. Nobody's deserving. Not, not the rich young guy with all the power and authority who has it all together and who's kept all the commandments since his birth. He's not deserving. He can't be saved. Not the, the blind man on the side of the road. Not, not this, not that. Nobody. We can't be saved. We all need a miracle from Jesus. He's merciful in that he calls all kinds of people. And he's master because he can restore all kinds of people. Nobody is out of his reach. So as we think about our, our roles in discipleship, we need to realize that it's not your job to decide who's a good candidate to be a follower of Jesus. It's just not part of our task. You, you don't need to stress about that. We need to understand that Jesus is the merciful master. Jesus calls the undeserving and overlooked. Jesus has the power and authority to transform anybody. So if this is not your job, what is your job if you are a follower of Jesus. So secondly, we must understand that for anyone in this room who's a disciple, anyone who's a follower of Jesus, must be intentional inviters. This is, this is our primary task. The disciples, like us, were, were kind of slow learners in this process, and Jesus tasked them in just simple words Go invite this guy. 49, Jesus stopped and he says, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, which is a, I just love this phrase. And as I was studying this uh, this week, I loved it more and more. What, what uh, the disciples said to this man. They said, take heart, get up, he's calling you. This is the basic uh, message that we are supposed to bring to the world. Uh, let's just take it in pieces. Take heart. That's how they led in this conversation with this man. They didn't lead with condemnation. They didn't come to blind Bart and say, you're completely depraved and you will spend eternity in hell if this wagon happens to tip over on you right now. 
on the side of the road and you can't even see it coming because you're blind. It's, that's not how they led. They didn't lead with coercion, saying, uh, Blind Bart, here's 27 reasons it's illogical to, not, to deny the existence of God. They didn't lead that way either. There is a place for apologetics completely. There's a place to talk about hell, Jesus does. But how does he lead? With, with hope. <laughs> Take heart. <laughs> be, be of good cheer. I have good news, and uh, when I tell it to you, it's going to sound like good news because it's really good news. Don't be afraid. Take courage. There's hope. And, and now get up. <laughs> Take an active step toward Jesus. You've been uh, relying on these things. You've been living this way. Now, now repent of that. Turn. Don't, don't keep going that way. Turn your attention toward Jesus. In other words, this is not just a, a theoretical conversation of, um, Line Barrett, you're on the side of the road. Um, if you repeat this prayer, then you'll be good to go. When we come back by here in a few weeks, you know, we'll, we'll say hi to you and bless you on your way. But it's a, no, I'm going to leave that and get up and follow Jesus. And the final part of this very brief invite is uh, he, he's calling you. <laughs> Jesus is calling you. Jesus' invitation extends to all kinds of people. John 3.15, whoever believes in him may have eternal life. I just read um, a tiny little book uh, yesterday, and it talked about one thing it said was that Christianity is, um, is the fairest uh, religion. And sometimes you think, well, it's unfair because it's exclusive, etc. But uh, it's very fair because um, the same way to get in, it's the same for everybody. And, and anybody has access to it. And anybody can do it. You don't need some special credentials. You don't need some special past. It's all by faith in Christ. It's the same for everybody. Uh, Romans 10, Paul really makes this point. Scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. It's not one way for one kind of person and one way for another. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. It's the same Lord as the Lord of of all, bestowing his riches on all who call him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not just certain kinds of people. Even people like Blind Bart. So here's something interesting everyone's invited so we don't need to try to figure out who is deserving we also don't need to figure out who is the elect because that's jesus job that that's god's job uh he does the choosing that that's nowhere in our task is to look at somebody and like hmm i wonder if they are chosen of god or not it's just it's not your job. Uh, God does really just great at his job, so we don't have to do his job. We can simply say to people, whether Jew, Gentile, rich, poor, somebody's and nobody's, the moralist, the hedonist, the Democrat, the Republican, the man, the woman, the child, grandparent, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, Middle Eastern, we could say to all these people, yes, Jesus is calling people like you. 
here, uh, let me just say something about this scene that's happening here in, um, in Mark. I think this is uh, recorded in Mark because for the very reason is that it, it actually happened, just like it says it happened. Um, but the reason why Mark records this and not you know, so many of the other miracles that Jesus performed, I think it's also a, an excellent picture of this whole process of discipleship. So try, try to follow me for just a second here. Jesus and his disciples are on the way or on the road. We see this terminology all through these few chapters. They are on this journey of discipleship headed towards uh, Jerusalem. Jesus is on the mission of, uh, that's the all-critical mission in the universe. He's headed to the cross. This is where he's going. So Jesus is surrounded by a bunch of people who are following him. They are headed on this kingdom mission which is the critical thing ahead of them. It's the, the Passion Week and all that. They are on the road. Beside the road is Blind Bart. Verse 46 says uh, he was sitting uh, beside the road by the wayside. This it describes so well um, our lives as followers of Jesus right now. So we gather here in a church on a kingdom mission. We uh, sing songs about Jesus, we, we get excited about Jesus, we, we give money for Jesus, we send missionaries for Jesus, um, we do all these things as part of the kingdom, we're, we're studying the Bible together, we're doing these things, but there's people beside the road. There's people who are not part of this yet. I mean, there's people that could be in this room and not part of this yet, and we just blaze away on our kingdom mission. And uh, meanwhile, we're neglecting the neighbor, (laughs) the family member, the person right beside our path. We're just on our way to church to do our thing. When uh, When this scene happened and Jesus was in the middle of it, he put the brakes on and stopped the whole entourage and said, we gotta talk to Bart. Before we go into the city, before all this stuff happens, before we get wrapped up in the whole Passover and the Passion and the Last Supper and all that, we have to pause and have a conversation with Bart. So that's what we need to do as intentional inviters, the people who are right along the way, right along the road that are just kind of confused of what are all these people doing at church or I don't really totally get it. Or where's my neighbor go every Sunday morning? Disappears for a couple hours and has a suit on and comes back later. And uh, who's going to tell them? Who's going to invite them? Who's going to say, take heart, get up? Jesus is calling people like you. So it's possible in this room there is a third kind of person. And that's the potential uh, disciple. And... I think it's really important for all of us to understand the role of the potential disciple. Um, One is we have to be really clear on what we're inviting somebody to. You know, if you're given this invitation, I just picture sending out invitations in the mail, you know, come and what is it? Well, I don't know. Um, So we have to be clear what we're asking of people. But but secondly, I'm sure that not everybody who goes to church is really a follower of Jesus. Um, if you don't really get all this yet, uh, we're totally excited that you're here. I'm really glad you're here. If you 
are not yet a follower of Jesus. But, but I want you to know what is the task before you. We must understand that potential disciples must forsake and follow. This is kind of the essence of the call. At least it's the pattern that we most see in, in Mark. I, I realize there's other ways, you know, other angles to look at this, other ways to describe this, but repeatedly, this is how Mark describes it. From the very first chapter, chapter 1, the fishermen, Jesus says, hey, follow me. And verse 18 says, and immediately they left their nets and they followed him. I think it's the very next chapter, Jesus walks by Levi, who has a tax collecting booth. And again, it's the kind of like, you know, one for Caesar, one for me, kind of a little sweet gig he had there by the gate. And Jesus says, "Uh, follow me, Levi. Chapter 2, verse 14 says, Levi got up and he followed him. It's the leaving behind the nets, leaving behind the tax table, and then with blind Bart, leaving behind the cloak. He threw off his cloak, he sprang up, and he came to Jesus. Probably this cloak was kind of the, the all-around uh, uh, piece of garment for, um, for the beggar. Um, it would be probably his, uh, his sleeping bag at night. Uh, it'd be an extra layer of clothing during the day. And then while he's begging by the gate, he'd probably roll that out in front of him as a thing to collect, um, you know, collect alms in. And uh, he just drops that cloak and jumps up and follows Jesus. Same pattern, just forsake and follow. Bible Knowledge Commentary describes it like this. It says, Bartimaeus pictured discipleship clearly. He recognized his inability. He says, uh, Son of David, have mercy on me. He trusted Jesus as the one to give him God's gracious mercy. And when he could see clearly he began to follow Jesus. That's, that's how discipleship works. Sometimes we isolate um, the following Jesus part from the, the receiving Jesus part. As if it made any sense to say, I trust my whole life with you, and now I'm just going to uh, be my own master. I'm not making um, like uh, fine-tuned theological comments for those of you who are, really, are aware of the discussions there. I'm just saying this is how the pattern we see before us in Mark, and this is what Jesus is asking of him. And it's what he's asking of us is to forsake and follow. In the beginning of, uh, of Mark's gospel, Jesus says, uh, repent and believe the gospel. Stop trusting in this thing and thinking this way. Change your mind and start thinking this way about Jesus and believe in the good news. That's how Jesus described it. I think marriage is a good description of, um, of the forsake and follow when it's done right. Um, the biblical terminology is leave and cleave. A lot of times we have in vows, at least we used to, is forsaking all others, <laughs> entering into that shared life together. Um, I have this, this vague memory of my mom giving my older brother a little bit of counsel uh, back in the day. I was still in high school when my brother uh, got engaged, and uh, my brother was a little bit of a, 
of a ladies' man, you might say. He dated a lot of girls, and uh, then he got engaged, and my mom said something like this, um, Jonathan, you know this means you have to get rid of the little black book. <laughs> the, little, uh, the little book of addresses and phone numbers. Today we might say, you know, you have to uh, delete certain names from your contacts or however you want to describe it. As much as people might think uh, what I'm going to describe works, I'm just telling you it doesn't. And that is to be married and have a best friend of the opposite sex that's not your spouse. Uh, we see this scenario portrayed in, in movies, and we hear it talked about, and it's a, okay, well, things are kind of rough right now, so I'm going to go talk to uh, this woman who can understand women. It's like, yeah, my wife is this way, so I'm telling. Let me just tell you as an aside that that does not work. It's a 100% bad idea. And so uh, as, a, as using marriage as an illustration for following Jesus, you are getting rid of uh, of the little black book of this isn't going well with Jesus, so I'm going to fall back on this. I'm going to um, go back and find my identity and security in, in this, in my career, in my, in my money, in this other relationship. No, it's saying I'm going to forsake that and follow Jesus. You can't serve, trust God, and also serve, trust, money, power, status, etc. It just does not work that way. So, the potential disciple, if that's you in this room and you've kind of been showing up here but it's sort of scratching your head about what this is really about, what Jesus is asking of you is to forsake the things that you're trusting in and trust in him and follow him. So remember, there's three kinds of people in this room. There's Jesus, there's disciples, there's potential disciples, and this all hinges on realizing what our part is in discipleship. So maybe just by raise of hand, how many people in here are Jesus? Okay, so we need to stop trying to be the master. If you're on the road to discipleship, if you're a follower of Jesus, stop trying to be the master by deciding who's deserving of discipleship. That's not your job. Just start inviting Who's God put in your path? Your neighbor, your friend, your family member, the waitress, your gardener, your boss, whoever that just might be right along the wayside. Go and say, you could paraphrase, but basically say, hey, take heart. There, there's, there's hope. Uh, get up and follow Jesus. He's calling you. Well, maybe somebody in here is alongside the road of discipleship. Well, you need to stop being uh, the master of your own life. Stop trying to be Jesus in your own life. That's, that's his job, to be the master. And just start following him. Say, Jesus, I, I need your mercy. I trust you as my only hope to be made whole. I give you my allegiance. And so I think we have sort of a combined challenge depending on where you fall here and that's today's the day for onlookers to become followers and followers to become inviters we do a lot of things as a church here but we can't lose sight of the core task of making disciples not just sending money to the far side of the world so somebody else can make disciples 
but all of us involved in the process of making followers of Jesus, people who would devote themselves to following uh, in the steps of Jesus, being his, uh, his understudies, his students, and being nurtured by him and strengthened by him and, and taught by him. That's, that is our core task. So today, for onlookers, today's the day to be a follower. For followers, let's, let's start inviting. Let's just go out of this room and just start inviting people. Take heart. <laughs> Get up. He's calling you. He's calling people like you. As the team comes back up, let me pray for us. Lord, I, I just confess that um, even as a pastor, I get wrapped up in the, in the parade of ministry, of all the things we do here. We're all headed somewhere on a, on a kingdom mission, and we're singing kingdom songs and all the rest. But Lord, help me to have eyes like you to see the people that are alongside the road, the people that, that live near me, by me and uh, that are mingling around town or walking by or people related to me. Let me see these people how you see them. Make us all bold to, to say to the people in our lives, um, hey, take heart. Jesus is calling people like you. May that be the overwhelming, compelling mission of our hearts is to be uh, followers of Jesus who make followers of Jesus. And we so much need your help to do this. And so we call on that in Jesus' name. Amen.